Hello, and welcome to Liberate Your Soul, a podcast designed to quiet the inner imposter, awaken you to truths known within all of us, so that you can discover your purpose, heal heart wounds, and find where you fit in to feel whole and allow you to make positive, lasting impact on the world. I'm your host, Kelly Pierce, a certified business and personal coach. I help top performers find their authentic selves in order to come from a confident decision-making place. As a fellow seeker, I have found that liberating the soul enables anyone to transition from anxiety to acceptance. It is my hope to provide you with inspiration and tools to help you feel confident, joyful, and loved. To learn more or to connect with me, go to www.quantumhighways.com. Hello and welcome back. I hope you're having an awesome day. I know today started out with a massive headache for me, but I am doing so much better after having a cup of coffee and just taking a few moments to breathe. How often do you do that? How often do you take time to take a nice deep breath in and exhale? If you just rolled your eyes at me, you don't do it often enough. (laughs) Today we're going to talk about imposter syndrome and self-talk and why that is something that you should take more time to be aware of and how you might be sabotaging your life. On this podcast, I set out to really stop the imposter syndrome from happening for you, dear listener, and to help you with your confidence because it's something I'm passionate about. As a young woman, I was really struggling in this area and there were many, many times when I would just destroy myself internally with my thoughts and my feelings and my mood toward myself. I would shred my self-confidence from everything to how I look, to what I was saying, to my thought processes, what I was accomplishing in my day, how I was behaving in my relationships, my friendships, my family relationships, my work, my maternal skills, you name it, I would cut myself down and just feel like an awful person. And let me tell you, I worked really hard running circles around my actions to try and quiet the monster of my mind, the judge inside my head that was telling me I wasn't good enough, I wasn't smart or pretty or kind or any of those things. And that's really not good. (laughs) I'm telling you, if you're doing this, it's hard. Now, our mind is hardwired to keep us alive. We have years and years of programming from when we were uh, 
prehistoric Cro-Magnum man. We had no prefrontal cortex development. We had wiring in there that said danger, danger, and you know it was a enemy coming, and we had to go and and be ready to either fight or or fight and fight to the death. And so our stress response is just there. It's ready to to go, right? Just put them up, man. Let's let's go. It's go time. But when we don't have saber-toothed tigers and um, other species coming to take our, our kill, so to speak, or we don't have to forage around for sticks to make a fire, we look at other things as threats. We look at other um, events in our day, whether that's traffic or even our loved ones, like our spouse who comes at us with just an eyebrow raised when we're cutting the vegetables a certain way. If we don't have a spouse, we look at ourselves and our own actions as, why are you doing it like that, you fool? It becomes a big, big challenge to overcome just as humans alone. Even if you're raised in the perfect environment and you're encouraged by your parents, psychologically, somewhere in there you think, well, they're my parents, they have to love me. So they have a bias, they love me unconditionally. Now, as a child who grew up in a less than perfect environment, which many of you probably can relate to, I actually did have a environment where there were a lot of stressors externally, a lot of dangerous situations for a toddler, an infant, a um, young adult from ages zero to eight, um, actually zero to 16 until I left home. And it was literally in my little mind life or death there was physical abuse there was <clears throat> mental and emotional abuse and from more than one source so when i was trying to do my little normal child things like eat cereal or um you know, play with whatever imaginary dolls or friends or whatever's going on in, in a child's life, there would be shouting and yelling and, and breaking of things. And I had a very uh, physical uh, danger around me with a, a sibling. And so <laughs> my adrenal system was flooded with these fight or flight hormones constantly. It would ramp up and then I would, um, as I shared with you in another episode, I would talk myself out of being stressed and I would be able to calm down and I would say it's going to be okay, one day I'm going to be big and I'm going to be able to make my own decisions and I would have my pets and my imaginary friends and we would just create this little world for ourselves. And oftentimes in the daytime, I would be outside by myself and just really enjoying 
the universe, just enjoying the uh, feeling of nice grass under my legs and playing with things like spiders and dirt and rocks and all that stuff, which probably creeped out about 90% of you because who plays with spiders? Well, I do. So anyways, um, as we are hardwired for survival, um, when we are children, if we're put in those dangerous situations and we go through a lot of stress as adults, even when we are taken out of those situations, our tendency is to go back to those subconscious memories, those subconscious situations when there are similar conditions or even one or two components of a situation that reminds us of our childhood environment. For me, that would be in a car that I wasn't driving. I would have the stress response of nervousness, sweaty palms, heart racing, breathing shallowly, completely just flipping out. Am I going to die? And this continued on into my late 30s. Even though I had been to counseling, even though I had seen a hypnotherapist, it was really challenging for me to be in a car with a driver that I did not know until I met my now husband, whom makes me feel very, very safe and very comfortable. And even then, if there's a mistake from another driver or there's something said, a tone of voice, a glint of sunlight a certain way, it can set me off into anxiety. And this is kind of a a symptom of PTSD. Um, It's all based on the subconscious mind, what happens when we're triggered into thinking about um, our body response is that of what happened when we were ages zero to eight. So what do we do when we have those thoughts of I'm not good enough, I don't feel loved, I don't feel like I can do this, I'm not confident. Maybe you were in class and you had a project and you didn't feel like it was up to par or your homework was, you know, just slapped together and you turned it in and it wasn't quite enough, or you even failed something. Maybe you quit something and your parents just made you feel terrible. As an adult, you might have triggers in your life that remind you of these moments in your life, and you might be telling yourself similar thoughts to what you heard or felt as a child of not being enough. So strategies to help with that. Reminding yourself that you are not any of those negative things, those negative connotations that you thought were true. Reminding yourself of all of the accomplishments that you have achieved or established since the time of your childhood. Reminding yourself that the situations you were in were only temporary and that you've come a long way since then. 
telling yourself all of the refutable evidence that stacks up against these negative thoughts. For instance, maybe you are speaking to someone and you're really intimidated by them. You feel like they are so accomplished and successful and well-spoken and you just feel kind of tongue-tied and like, ooh, I'm underdressed here and what's going on? Reminding yourself that they're human too. They probably wear blue jeans on the weekend and have fun with their kids and they put their pants on one leg at a time. They they took a shower this morning also. They're just another person living their life just like you. That they once were a child and the inside of their mind are thoughts probably equal or similar to yours and that they just want to get to know you that they are putting on their best self. And so you get to put on your best self too. And just taking a nice deep breath, like we started in the beginning. (sighs) And just smiling and just seeing them for who they truly are, not the facade that they're putting up. Because truly, even successful people feel nervous and... um, maybe a sense of uh, imposter syndrome as well. Maybe they feel it even more because you're putting them on a pedestal. Maybe they feel pressure to have this persona. So you can always lighten it up with a joke and just say something silly. It doesn't even have to be self-deprecating. It can be just something funny. Something that really, really put me over the hump of negative self-talk and stopping it, just stopping it dead in its tracks. Beyond just saying, no, you're wrong. This isn't me. I am enough. I am a good person. I am all of these things. Was asking myself if I would talk to my best friend this way. It's powerful. If you find yourself in the middle of an argument, so to speak, inside your mind, if you find yourself in the middle of, like, they don't like me, my presentation isn't good enough, how am I going to get on this call with this client when I just feel not prepared or something of that nature? You can say... Stop it. Would you say that to your best friend? No, you would champion them. You would say you got this. You would say you will know exactly what to say when the time is right. You are so good at this. You have the best presentation. And even if it's not perfect, you can can fill in the gaps with a, a nice antidotal story or just answer questions ask the ask them what they want at that moment just always remember that presentations aren't about you it's about the client it's about the audience and what they need everything is always going to work out perfectly you got this how about that right I mean, isn't that so much better and so much different than what you would say to yourself? You would never speak to your best friend in a 
put down, mean, horrible, angry sort of way. I absolutely loved it when I learned this trick. And I want to share it with you because it was so powerful in my life. So I want you to try it next time you're having a, you know, self-flagellation ceremony when you're beating yourself up and you just feel like, I am not good enough. I can't do anything. Nothing fits. My closet's a mess. Everything's horrible. Just tell yourself, you know what? You've got to have something that feels good, that feels nice. You can wear whatever you want. You're a fully-fledged grown-up, and you're probably just retaining water right now. You're probably just a little bloated. It's hot right now. It's summertime. Everybody has a little bit of extra. Just have some, you know, nice vegetables for lunch. Have a salad a couple days, and it'll all go back down. Everything's fine. Just let it be. And you'll feel so much better just letting yourself off the hook. You know what to do. You really do when you get quiet and you take a few breaths. When you're open-minded and you're aware and you have the ability to practice these things, you will get so much better at them. And also having the awareness that nobody ever gets it 100% perfect 100% of the time. (laughs) There is not one perfect soul on this planet. There was only ever one perfect person who walked this earth. And you know who I believe that was. Even God, when he made the earth, he got done creating Everything, the whole planet, all of the plants and animals and birds and oceans and sun and moon and stars and all of these things. He didn't say it was perfect. He said it was good. And then he rested. I absolutely love that he said that. It makes me feel so good. It makes me feel like I don't have to say this is perfect. I can say this is good. St. Francis of Assisi said, don't let perfect get in the way of good. So if you're a perfectionist or a recovering perfectionist like I am, you can say, it doesn't have to be perfect. It can be good. It can be good enough. And this is really good. I like this. And I think other people are going to like it too. You can, it's not an excuse to be sloppy, but you can go back and look at things and correct them and do your very best. Trust me, I just got done writing a book and I'm going to go back and I'm going to proofread it. I'm going to edit it and I'm going to edit it a third time because I edit as I go. Let's face it, most authors do, but. I'm going to edit it a third time before I submit it to an agent. Everything's going to be great. I know it is because that's just the way it goes. If it's worth doing, it's worth doing well. And if you do it, it's it's worth your time. Just allowing yourself to believe that and really going through this work is something that I highly encourage and becoming aware of your breath, of whether you're breathing from your chest area or 
filling up your lungs completely like that or really belly breathing to calm down your adrenal stress response when you're feeling not enough, when you're feeling stressed out and totally, completely worried about the outcome of something or your own well-being, you will, with practice, get better. Not perfect, but better. It will be okay. In the next episode, I will share with you um, techniques and some affirmations about how you can, you personally, what might be holding you back as a underlying fear or motivation with the different personality types from the Enneagram. It's really, really powerful. I know for me as a type seven, the enthusiast, my biggest fear is being trapped or stuck in pain. Now that could be emotional pain, it could be physical pain, whatever it might be, but I know that I create my own outcomes. I know that I create my own situations and scenario, and I have that ability to change anything in my life that I want to. And by now, you know that I have. I've created my own life. I surround myself with people who are loving and uplifting and genuine and authentic. And do they get it perfect all the time? No, but they're trying. They wish to better themselves. They wish to encourage and uplift the people around them, no matter what that looks like. It's my sincere hope that today's podcast help to encourage and uplift you and give you a really super helpful way or two that you can implement immediately, whether you choose to take deep breaths or you choose to uh, um, analyze the way that you speak to yourself and change that to adjust so that it's the way that you speak to your best friend. Because at the end of the day, you don't carry your best friend around with you in your head, hopefully. You carry you around with your in your head. And you can become your best friend because wherever you go, there you are. And it's really nice to be comfortable with yourself. It's really nice to enjoy your own company. You'll never be lonely. You won't be searching for someone when you really need someone. You can be there for yourself. And ultimately, that is freedom and liberation, which is what my personality type seeks out when it is feeling fearful or in pain. Again, I hope this helps and I hope you have the best day. We'll talk to you soon.